This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. Today on the podcast, Liv Houston, a super talented actor that is in show Yellow Jackets that Liv and I talk about. I cannot watch that show because it is too scary for me. But I've seen Liv in a bunch of other stuff and I tried to watch Yellow Jackets. I just had to, I couldn't do it. But I love this chat. Uh, they're very charming and, and really great to talk to. And hey, speaking of charming people, I'm charming. And um, do you want to come hang out with me? Because I've got a virtual brunch going on to celebrate the paperback release of my book, Save Yourself. It is on March 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific. You can find out information at CameronEsposito.com. I will also be in Lawrence, Kansas, April 16th, and at JFL Vancouver, right here in Vancouver, where I am right now, this May 28th. So March, I've got one show. It's a virtual brunch. You can join from anywhere. April, I've got one show. It's in Lawrence, Kansas. And may I've got one show. It's here in Vancouver at the Rio Theater. All that information is at CameronEsposito.com. Please enjoy this episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, my name is Liv Hewson. I am an actor. I'm non-binary. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm stoked to be here. Well, that's amazing. And also, um, you're in a super popular show right now. Well, yeah. it, did the, it just end the season. The season just ended a minute yes. ago. Yes. Yes, it's done. And, and we'll go back and do another one uh, any minute now, I believe. Well, look, here's the thing that I just have to admit up top. Okay. Mm -hmm. I cannot watch scary things. Oh, so yes, this is fine. Every person that I spoke to in my life, like, mm -hmm. was like, you have to watch this show. Nobody, these are people that know me. These are people you. that know me. I don't know if they were like, you gotta watch this show. I turned it, I turned it on and I, and it, it's the, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I was out. Please. When, when, what, when was the needle pushed too far? Um, the opening sequence. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, I was like, no, I, no, I can't, no. She's being chased. She falls down. There's all these sticks. There's a couple, there's Do you a remember? Couple of, yeah. Oh, yes, vividly. Although I was not there for that. But there's, there's a couple of moments that I think filter, like, mm -hmm. that let people know. There's the, there's the opening sequence. And then in the pilot, there's Allie breaking her leg and her bone poking through her skin. And I'm like, okay, so by then, that's like pre-plane crash. So yes. you get two pre-plane crash violent testers to see if it's for you. But then here's the thing that's also funny is that when something is like zeitgeisty, and especially mm -hmm. if it's like scary and zeitgeisty, I like to do a lot of research to try to figure out what's going on with it. Like, right. for instance, Midsummer. like when that mm -hmm. movie came out, I was doing a lot of research. What's the plot? What film stills can I look up? How can I compile them together to really experience this film without having to see it? But, How can I um, absorb it? But for Yellow Jackets, I feel like I have... I have done my damnedest <laughs> to look up. It's I think it's the multiple timelines thing. Yes, there's, there's it's a lot like, to keep track of. It's I cannot 
even it's, I'm trying, I'm trying to see if I can understand from the outside, but, um, if, if I was going to try to jump in, mm-hmm. what's the least scary thing that happens? Oh man. I mean, it like, it for sure is about them like being lost in the woods and slowly losing their minds and eating each other. So it's like, yeah. I guess I get, we, we have a couple of musical numbers. We do like a fun, oh, great. we have like a slumber party, like dance routine. Okay. To, this is how we do it. All and right. like at one point we all sing kiss from a rose together. Like oh. it's, there's, you know, I, I get to have gay sex on television, you know, so there's Congratulations. Nice things. thank you so much. It's an honor just to have gay sex on television. Um, but, wait, I, but wait, it, there we go. Hang on. No, you can, you can finish. You can finish. But we all, we will come back to that. It truly, it truly is a lot of like m- misery and intrigue and disaster. And I, I understand that it's not for everybody. Um, wow. Well, it is for me. It's just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm wrapping my mind around it, you know? Um, yeah. okay. I want to ask you some other questions. Here's one, here's one question. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you identify as non-binary, but I feel like I was aware of you as an actor before I was aware that that was true Mm -hmm. of you. And I am curious because, you know, there's like so many people who listen who, uh, like maybe they have a job or a community that knows them one way Mm -hmm. or where they're not there, you know, their pronouns aren't, you know, like that kind of thing. I feel like this is, it's like specific if, I mean, I don't know. Did have you always used they them as you've been in your working life? Or no, was there... it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I I did keep it under wrapped professional professionally for a minute. I did uh-huh. compartmentalize it for a bit because I truly thought that I would have, have to forever. Like I, right. for a long time, I was like, well, I'll never be able to be out in right. all aspects of my life. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like it was unfathomable to me. Right. So. I I was out to my friends as early as like 16. So it's been 10 years. Um, right. But I started talking about it publicly and professionally in like tw- 2018, probably. So, so there you go. Yeah. There's a gap. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, I, I know so many people that that's true for, and I'm just best at guessing there's like a lot of listeners that that's also true for. And um, like I'm working on a show right now where there's a, person in wardrobe who wears like a pin that that Mm -hmm. has pronouns on it um and i also know that that's atypical for the workplace that i'm in like like Mm -hmm. other people aren't wearing pins you know so i'm curious as to like how you navigate um i wonder if you have any like tips or tricks about you know telling folks you know how you want to be referred to things like that in a work situation yeah. where maybe there's been a change, not yeah. in who you are, but in how you're asking people to to address you. Well, and it's it's like a conversation that I'm having with myself all the time and something that I'm figuring out as I do it. I, I will say that, like, there is also nothing wrong with um, deciding that you do want to keep it a bit quiet at work, you know? That's right. Because, you know, frankly, sometimes it is a bit of a strain and it can put a bit of a spotlight on you and you do feel kind of self-conscious and you have to have the same conversation with, with uh, everybody all the time. But um, for me personally, I just, I ended up in the long run finding that more painful than um, 
I found it more painful to not talk about it than to talk about it in the end. Um, so for me, it was like, yeah, I am going to have to answer the same questions a lot and I am going to have to put myself on the spot a bunch, but I'm unhappier not doing that now. So once, if that balance has shifted where you're like, I'm, I'm too unhappy not talking about it and therefore I want to talk about it and I want to be open with people about it. Once that's true, then like truly like go so easy and gentle on yourself as possible. Like don't um, feel the need to rush or feel the need to over explain yourself. You know, it's, it's enough to tell people like the truth without qualifiers to just be like, oh, actually my pronouns are they, them. And I, and I found that out because this, and like, uh, here's why it's like painful to be referred to as this. And like, you, like you don't need to bear your soul to everybody. You can just like state what's true for you and state how you want to be treated. And that's enough. You know, it doesn't need to be more complicated or more difficult than that. And like, have, have a support network that you can lean on who will do it correctly for you no matter what. Like even if you have a day where it's been a bit of a slog, if you have friends that you can have like after work drinks with who will never balk at it, then that will make your life easier anyway, you know? And also sometimes it's great. Sometimes people really surprise you and just nail it. And sometimes it's so much easier and better than you ever imagined. And that feeling is worth it for me, I think. Oh, well, that was actually a very... A uh, beautiful and nuanced answer. You had a lot. Of, <laughs> you. you had a lot of different uh, steps and layers. I really appreciate you sharing that. Super helpful. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Okay, let's talk about gay sex on television. Yeah, please, let's do it. Uh, how, how are you? How was that? It was great. We, um, the intimacy coordinator on our show uh, is lovely. She was such a treat, looked after all of us very well. And then um, Jasmine, Jasmine Savoy Brown, my co-star, with uh, whom I pretended to have guest sex on television, we're a really good team. And um, we were, like, always very much on the same page and had each other's backs. So, like, aside from the fact that we shot it outside at night and it was cold, it was totally fine. And, you know, it's, like, it is something that, um, the, this is so strange to say, but it is something that we feel kind of lucky to be able to do, you know? I don't think that's strange at all. Yeah. But you could tell me why. Yeah, because it's like we're we're lucky enough to be on a show where like our character's relationship is treated with the respect it's due and like explored to the extent it's like deserves to be explored. And part of that like includes these two getting it on in the same way that like the straight characters in our show get to get it on. And that's cool. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm also, um, I'm shooting something right now where I have a lot of like intimacy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and for me, I also, um, well, cause my background is in comedy. I like mm-hmm. I have done making out on camera before, but when it's in a comedy context, uh, mm. you can be like, ha, we didn't, we didn't even mean any of that jokes. Yeah. You can, um, you don't, you don't, you're not like thrown in the deep end earnestness wise. That's right. And this is the first time I've had to do this and it's like, it's supposed to be hot and it's supposed to it's be serious. It's yeah. serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, it feels like I'm like losing my mind about it a little bit, not in a bad way, oh, yeah. in a good way, because I feel like I, this is like actually the stuff that I watch. Like I, I guess I watch comedy. I mean, I don't know. Like growing up, I watched, I like was obsessed with Jim Carrey, but like I watch queer shit and queer shit is like very emotional. Usually sometimes it's funny, but usually it's just very emotional. And um, it's like the first time I've gotten to do something that's like, the genre that I would want a lot of like slamming against the wall. Oh, it's so making good. out. Fantastic. Yeah. And um it's like really affecting me like emotionally because it feels like uh yeah, I don't know. And especially like me being me and getting to be on TV like with this hair and mm. and some and somebody says that's a person to kiss. You know, I just mean yeah, like yeah, and yeah, in yeah. a serious way, not in like yes. We're not even joking. Yeah, it's not We're a bit. Kidding. I mean, like, no, yeah. this is like this is hot. This is attractive, and like, you know, it's not it's not a secret, and it's not something we need to like prevaricate around or like hint at, but not show or like be like, oh well, maybe, but like, don't worry about it. You know, like it's not. God, it's not that's a secret. Right. Yeah, that's such, that's actually really interesting. Even in this is like there's this moment in um, Call Me by Your Name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the film where uh, the t- I can't remember their names, Elio and whatever the other uh, whatever the fucking other that, guy is. Yeah, although, yeah, you're right. Off the top of my head, I can tell you which one is which. <laughs> but we, but look at us, we did it. Yeah, we did um, it. Where they're like kissing, mm-hmm. and um, it the movie it the camera pans to a tree, right? And I I feel like I I was like. Even in this, you know, like even yeah. in this, like <laughs> come peach eating movie, mm-hmm. the like actual making out is a is a treat. I was talking to a friend about this recently because I remembered. Um, did you ever see Torchwood? N- no. What What have I missed? I've it's seen like s- come on. Look, no, it's um, me. it's a what it's is- a Doctor Who spinoff from like the mid two thousand. Oh, and I, and I bring it up. Because I was talking to this friend and I was like, oh, that's the first time I saw something in, and it's not the first time this ever happened, but it was the first thing I saw where two women make out, but they make out like they're gonna fuck. Like, they're like, it's there, it's like, it's erotic. It's not like chaste and sweet and like tender and like, oh, just nice. It's like, no, no, no. This is like hot and like hair pulling and like we're going to have sex. And that, was huge for me. I remember being very, very struck by that because it was, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't before and don't often see like queer desire like that. <gasps> I am, first of all, 
the speed with which I will be looking this up after <laughs> this interview. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be swift. Um, because I'm so curious about what you're talking about. How could I have missed this? This is it's, one of the um, things I really pride myself on. It's it's an episode of the show that is about a woman who's possessed by an alien who like and the alien is powered by having sex. So it's like it's like a sexed up episode, but like um two women kissing it. it and and that was a big deal at the time and it was <laughs> definitely significant for me as like a oh my god, maybe even late preteen viewer, I think. I was like, wow, okay. Liv, have you ever seen the movie Bound? Oh my god, no. But I've it's truly one of those things where it's been on the list in my brain for like maybe 10 years. So I'll probably watch it after we get off this call. Yeah, that that's what I I would recommend it because of what you're talking about. Um you know, it's it's like it was very unusual because it's like oh god, I can't remember. I think it's like 99 mm-hmm. is when it came out. Um, and they had a like sex scene choreographer, which is not a thing at that time. And yeah, it isn't. It is now, but God, yeah. not back then. No, it was not. And um, anyway, the it's like so steamy in a way that doesn't feel exploitative. It's like really steamy and good. And um, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like there's like momentum to it. And it's mm-hmm. like not really gentle. I mean, you know, it's. It's uh, anyway. It's really it's an incredible movie, but also the the sex in it specifically is incredible because it seems at all like anything anybody would do. Yeah, and I, when I think about stuff like that, I just it's like I think about the word like embodied, where it's like it's not it's not like self conscious or like embarrassed about sex or like shying away from sex or like apologizing for sex. It's just like no, no, no. These two people are attracted to each other, and this is happening. You know, sort of straightforward in a way. Yeah. Yes. So you're being in the situation to do that on camera. Um, mm-hmm. Is that like nerve wracking for you? Is that what is your personal relationship with bod stuff, sexuality, gender stuff in that area? For, for work, it's it's kind of a non-issue for me, honestly. Like it's, it's never bothered me. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, it's it's this weird it's this weird blind spot in my brain maybe where it's <laughs> like I'm not that's maybe the one aspect in my life where I'm not self-conscious about it at all. Or I'm like, "Oh, well it's not me, so don't worry about it." Like, yeah, like shoot my chest. I don't care. Like it's I'm pretending to be somebody else. And then also I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Well, I I want to make something like art-wise that that I would want to see or that I think should be in the world. So I, I just, I think about it in those terms instead of feeling like self-conscious, I guess. I'm, it's, yeah, it's never really bothered me too much. What about you? Oh, um, what about me? It's totally <laughs> bothered me my entire yeah. life. Yeah. I, I feel for me, um, body stuff is like super challenging. I, yeah. I have, um, I have like a, I have boobs that feel too big for me mm-hmm. in, well, to, in my, okay. regarding myself yeah. and ha- haven't done anything to make that different. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe someday I will, I'm not sure, but, um, I think that's just one thing that like, sometimes I think my body indicates something to people that. I just feel like I'm very, I'm sending a lot of messages that I don't mean to be sending. 
Oh, I understand that completely. So <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, to like have, and then in terms of like being an object of somebody else's desire, like I think I'm more comfortable being the person who desires. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I see. I, Again, for a similar reason of like a sort of a don't look at me reason. <laughs> yeah. um, ah! Exactly. <laughs> and I, and so anyway, um, you know, that real stuff in my human life obviously yeah, affects yeah. how I am at work. Like, for instance, stand up, you know, which is like where I started, that I don't feel weird, usually body stuff there at all because mm-hmm. it's like so I am in charge. Yes. And, and I'm like, physically apart from everybody and like very uh controlling how i am seen you know very very clear boundaries and stand up aren't they yeah 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 so i don't know it's so i really relate to that it's like and i don't know it's this i can't articulate it properly at this time in my life but there's something about performing where like that's always bodily been the safest for me like in on my own in the real world and like in in relationship to other people and by myself it's like uh, torturous sometimes frankly but like <laughs> wor- sure. working like like being being on stage or being on a set it's those are the times where my body's like never bothered me so it's like this weird sort of safety in performing you know that i don't feel sitting on a couch <laughs> oh actually i totally hear you yeah. I just hear you and I really, I really know what you mean. Yeah. What, when did you start acting? What age were you? Um, I mean, I was in a, I was in a school play when I was nine, uh, but like pro- properly, I started uh, going to workshops and like being in plays at uh, a theater company in my hometown, which I, I then did a lot of stuff with. And that's like where I really attribute learning to act from is like doing outside school theater stuff as a teenager and that's originally what I expected to keep doing was like theater work and then that's not what happened at all but um that's when I started and I never wanted to do anything else it was always very clear to me very early that I was like no no no, I'm gonna do this which I think annoyed some of my teachers because they were like yeah great but like is there anything else I was like no (laughs) no I'm good like okay Jesus fine (laughs) well I also act ask not act. I also ask because of what you were just talking about, you know, this um, different use of a body, you know, yeah. body as like a machine versus like person on a couch thing that just struck me as um, like, oh, yes, you started as as a young person because to mm-hmm. have that sort of like separation thing, which I relate to a lot. I think that's a I think that's something that's like set kind of young. Um, yeah. You're still a, you're still a young, young person. Yes, I'm. I'm 26. Oh my gosh, you're 26. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. How is it to be? Tw- how is it to be 26? I'm like, uh, the, with the the very very tail end of of the millennial bracket, right at the end. Are you? So, you're not Gen yeah, Z. Mm-hmm. No, Gen Z starts at the beginning of '96, and I was born at the end of '95. So I'm like. Like the last, last ones. You're the last millennial. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because like I, you know, I feels like a weird 
historically transitional time. Like I had a pre-digital childhood, but maybe I'm among the youngest people for whom that's true. Um, and it's it's like, yeah, it's, it is a little strange, I think. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I might be the youngest person. So I'm 40. Mm-hmm. I um, didn't have uh, my own phone, like a cell phone Mm -hmm. um in college yeah and that is wild to have had all of those experiences without i i had like um i grew i grew up with like analog stuff still but then i was talking to someone about this recently too where it's like at the throughout my childhood and adolescence when you're that age it feels very natural that the world be changing very quickly all the time because you're like, well, I'm changing very quickly all the time. Like I'm, so of course, this is just the the pace at which things become different is like I get taller and like my hormones start going crazy. And like, yeah, of course, of course, everything's crazy. Like I'm crazy. And then now like sort of just like my brain finished developing like five minutes ago. So now, <laughs> now I'm like, oh, that actually is a very, very strange, t- like it, things were changing very quickly in a way that actually had nothing to do with me as well. And that's an interesting thing to have grown up alongside. And I'm not quite sure what that means yet. Well, I, yes, that's true. You have a new podcast that you are hosting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how does, how do, how do you like hosting? I, uh, you know, it's, it was, it was rewarding. And I was really lucky because like me and Jasmine, like love each other so much. And like, we're such a good team. Um, and I learned a lot. I liked talking to the people we were talking to. And also I found it like very intense and like, like harder than I was expecting. And I'd been a guest on podcasts before. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. I really enjoy doing it. It, This will be like a natural progression of that. But it is like, it is a lot more stressful. It was a lot more work. And I was caught off guard by how different it is to put myself out there in something that I'm partially in charge of as myself and not as a character I'm playing. Mm -hmm. I found that more overwhelming than I expected. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, I learned a lot and I'm, I'm very glad we did it. I'm very proud of what we made. And also there were times where I was like, oh, this, this is quite scary, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing I would say from my experiences, I don't know if you, I don't know if it felt like this to you too, but um, I think I feel very, I feel like I really, especially because of what this show is, like I ask some really personal questions and, you know, I want folks to feel like they're not trapped and they can say that they don't want to answer something. But I also feel like, um a responsibility to create an environment where maybe some good flow can happen because i think that's sort of what we're well that's that's what i'm trying to do here is just to create like in-group conversation amongst queer folks because i think for anybody that gets to listen to that it's just a really cool thing in audio like we don't have a ton of that a lot of just historically the people who are interviewing queer folks are not queer folks and so there's yes. not a lot of it's there's uh cross-cultural conversation happening yes yes yeah anyway so I've, i always get a little bit like exhausted afterwards because i feel like i am 
sort of emotionally trying to create a little bowl that a person can be in and give a little safe pod. Totally. Which is tiring. It takes a lot of focus. And you end up thinking about a lot of things at once and, and you can tell afterwards. It's like, oh, that was, that was really rewarding. I do have to lie down, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Listeners, take it from Liv. This is an exhausting and tireless gig that I gave myself for no reason. <laughs> I, that I gave like myself I, of I my just own chose free will. This. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so um, funny. What about... Because I know, I know you had Natalie Morales on because that's, mm, mm-hmm. and I know Natalie, um, but that's the, we're doing like a feed switch and that's going to be Beautiful. my feed. Um, but I don't know who else you interviewed. And I'm wondering if folks were your age, younger, older, what was that vibe like? It was a, it was a cool mix. It was a really cool mix. Um, like people like Leo Shang and Caleb Heron who are closer to mine and Jasmine's age. And then people like like Carmen Maria Machado and Fortune Feimster. And it's like a, a cool mix of people with like different experiences, different age brackets, different jobs. And, and we were conscious of that. We wanted to to mix it up like for the audience and also for ourselves. Like we wanted to get to know a bunch of people in different situations. The reason I so asked that, that is... Fun. Oh yeah. yeah it's, I could let you finish your sentence, but the reason, no, I, asked fine, because, the reason I asked that is because age is um, so specific to queer experience. Um, in yeah. the way you were talking about technology, um, it's, you know, something I'm very conscious of in interviewing folks because like a, being born a year different could mean a totally different experience of like where the world was when you yeah. mm-hmm. gained sentience. Um, so, you know, when I'm talking to people, it's always from a perspective of like a lot of my life was pre- having any national rights at all like half Mm -hmm. of my life at this point because i was in my early 20s when things changed a little bit and then when they changed again you know i was so i have all that experience pre which um it's it would be very interesting to be interviewed by somebody who didn't like for me if i think because i wonder what the how the perspective would change Um, i think about that too in terms of like place as well like you know, I'm I'm Australian, and um, we we passed like um, we legalized same sex marriage in like 2017. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and it's just it's it is it is so different from time and age, and like in being in Yellow Jackets, and then playing somebody who's like a lesbian teenager in 1996. I'm just like that's so different so different from what my experience was. And then that's so different from what someone's experience might be now. And like, that's, it's mind blowing. And, right. and, and it's, it's exciting and sad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's everything at once. Absolutely. I mean, I was a lesbian teenager in 1996. Do you have any, yeah. do you have any questions for, uh, regarding preparing for your next season? Oh man, uh, did you ever get stuck in the woods after a plane crash with your soccer team? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> no, well, <laughs> no, uh, I don't think I was flying enough. I think that's really mm, no, well, I, gotcha. I, I was on a soccer team. We mostly played locally. What um, position were you? Um, I was a midfielder. Amazing. Because I like to do the most. Oh, great. I love that. What a midfielder does. 
It's very apt that I'm playing somebody who's the goalie because that's exactly the position I would want. I don't want to do shit. Let me stand over there. Yeah, fair enough. But also that is your, it's both not doing shit and then also being perhaps the most important person on the team. Both yeah, of you need me. Yes, there you go. Absolutely. So you were talking about being raised in Australia and then were you, when, how much of the last, how much of the last like 10 years of your life have you lived there? Do you so, live there now or do you live in No, now? so I, I live in the States now. I, um, I started spending chunks of time here for work when I was, I came here for the first time when I was 19 and then, and then I would come back here whenever I needed to, if I had like, if I was screen testing for something or if I booked something or whatever, you know, so, and then I, and then I booked a show that, um, really took me physically out, uh, which is Santa Clarita diet, which we shot in Santa Clarita. Yes. So that's where I was. So we would shoot that and then I would stay for a while and then I would go home and see my family again um, because I think I was kind of in denial about living in America now. <laughs> so I was spending chunks of time in the States that kept getting longer and longer. And then eventually when I was like 21 or 22, I was like, oh, I think I live here. Like, I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think I work here and then go back. I think I live here all the time and have maybe for a while. So then I, I got my act together and stopped living out of a suitcase. I, I hear you. That's a big transition to make, to, to think of yourself that way. It is. And it's funny because at the time making all of those decisions, I was like, well, this is like, I'm just following where the opportunities are and this is where I need to be. And so I guess I'll just like sort myself out and this is it. Like it felt very kind of matter of fact and natural. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, I was away for work and then I stayed away because I went back to see my family. Uh, for almost two years uh, by accident. I came back to the States in like October 2021. And so it was like I was living out of a suitcase again. <laughs> um, and I, I was thinking about all of that now, lately, just being like actually moving half a planet away on your own, like at the start of your 20s is a, a crazy thing to do. That's insane. Yes. <laughs> but it truly, it didn't, it just felt, it just felt quite natural at the time. It didn't feel as seismic as it is. Did any of your family, was any of your family able to be with you during any of that? Or was it truly like no. you, sh you took, a, you took a plane and yeah. showed up? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. And I, I'm very lucky that like I, I've over time found and built like a really lovely support network over here. But my, my, my family's never been out here. It's always just been me. Wow. How do you build a support network in that situation? How does one? It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And sometimes it will be like people you meet through work or like people that you get put in touch with because someone else has noticed that you're here alone and wants to introduce you to some friends. Um, I, I joke that you know, even before moving here, my, my, my trick is to make friends with one person and then just make friends with all of their friends. And then that's it. You're locked <laughs> in. <laughs> but it's like, it takes, it takes a while. It, it slowly cobbles together over like different, different neighborhoods and different jobs you've had. And God, you can like start talking to someone in a cafe and make friends with them or, you know, go on a bunch of Tinder dates and end up friends with them instead of dating them. It, it can be anything. Um, and sometimes it, it is lonely in the middle of all that, but it, works itself out eventually well that's what i was going to ask about like the 
you know, if it takes time, that means there's, there are stretches before, right. Or yeah. between or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so how did you keep it together during those times? I think I, I, I have a pretty solid trust in my gut, I think. And even when it was difficult or lonely, I was like, well, I, I am where I need to be right now. And I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. And if, if I have to throw myself into that to deal with the fact that maybe I haven't found my footing here yet, then I can always cling to this is what I want to be doing and this is the place I need to be doing it in. And as long as that feels true, I'm okay. But if I wake up tomorrow and I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't it, actually, I'll do something else. But it's always, it's always felt like I'm doing what I need to be doing. So I've leaned on that feeling a lot. Wow. Does that, do you have a, are you a spiritual person? No, I'm not. Um, but I, I mean, it sounds like faith, what you're describing. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it's like the faith in my instincts, like a, a trust in my, what is it a trust in? Trust in my, my instincts, my gut, knowing what's important to me and knowing how to prioritize it. I just, yeah, if, if I, if I do have faith in anything, it's that I, I know when something is right for me. You know, it's like, this is, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And therefore, if I'm in the place where I can be doing it, then I'm in the right place. And if that changes, I'll go somewhere else. Why do you, if why, I can, how, I why do you have that? <laughs> I don't know. How does one get that? It, uh, the, yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's like that also sort of like there's a, an assumption in there that it's like a that we live in sort of a I don't know, I guess like a generally benevolent world or something. If if your gut if if what you for you to know what you want, but then also to trust that that will be good for you. Does that make sense? Like because because we yeah. can like want something and that thing can be a destroyer of worlds. So That's it's interesting true. that your thing also lines up with the thing that, that has proven out to be good. That might be why I trust it so much. And that like, this is, this is, this is something that really fulfills me that I, that I care about like the most that I find the most rewarding that I want to share with people the most. It's like, it's, it, it doesn't and hasn't let me down, I guess. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Is there something that has? Or has that not been a part of your experience? I, I was like so unwell when I was younger. Um, my, my adolescence was like a complete horror show that I like survived by the skin of my teeth. Um, and... this is like, this is like such a, it sounds on the nose. This sounds on the nose to say, but I, I, I had, I had terrible anorexia when I was younger. Um, I ended up having to be like pulled out of school for a bit and put in a recovery program. And when I was in this recovery program, I was rehearsing for a play with this theater company that I did a lot of stuff with. And, um, and I was 
at a real like medically concerning low point in the recovery process. And my recovery team was like, listen, if you don't start actively trying to um, survive this, then we're going to need to hospitalize you, which means that you will have to drop out of this play. So if you want to be in this play, you have to start trying to get better and you have to actually want that. And I, I wanted to be in the play, <laughs> but I, I wanted to be in the play more than I wanted to keep being unwell. And it was like, it was the, it was the only thing that I wanted wow. more than that. It was the only thing that, that could pull me out of that. So it's just like, it's not spiritual exactly, but it's, it's, it's all I've ever wanted to do. And it's, it's always been enough for me. It's the guiding thing for me, always. It's very beautiful thing to say. And, and um, I've had times in my life where I've had to make a decision to like, to live and survive yeah. something and uh, um, have been surprised by my decisions sometimes in that area, like to like mm-hmm. how, how um, strong that was able to, how, how I was able to do that, how I didn't, I didn't know I would be able to. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I'll also say as somebody, you know, a lot of the body stuff that we were talking about earlier is I'm in like a lifelong recovery process from disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And it is like really intense to be, for me, to be um, on camera and have that be true. Yeah. Um, because actually it's like a total lack of control of how one is seen, which is like sort of the 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 opposite of an eating disorder in my experience. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's something that is very hard for me. Um, it's very inspiring to hear that it's something that you're able to do with that backstory. Because yeah. Thank you. Because I think I, I could do it too. I think you can. Yes. And I mean, I'm doing I, it, but it's yeah. nice to hear that you are also doing it. Yeah. And it's, it, it is, it's like, it is such a seismic shift to realize that you want to do something more than you want to keep hurting yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I want, so- I want something else more than I want this. That's yeah. crazy. Like that, that actually changes everything. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. Wow. Um, you've been such a pleasure to talk with. I Thank you. Yeah. I love talking with you. And before I send you back into your day, there's part of the podcast where I always ask folks to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made them feel that they can be there today. Would you like to shout out a queero? Oh, man. You know what I'm thinking about, actually, is that, like, I miss, um, I miss Sense8. I miss the Netflix show Sense8. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that it was like, like, I was already you know, I wasn't a kid when that came out. Like it wasn't, it was kind of formative, but like, I was already sort of like, a, like more of a grown up when that came out. But I remember, I remember when that show came out being like, oh, we can, oh, we can like actually do all of it. Great. Lovely. You know, it's, we can make queer media that isn't just like a handhold 101 explainer to people. Like it can be big and expansive and ambitious and like unapologetic and complex and yeah, I just very grateful for that. 
That's beautiful. And another reason that you need to see Bound later. Yeah, because it's a Wachowski film. This is all the same thing. So <sighs> gotta do it. Well, Liv, I mean, maybe I will something that sometimes works for me in scary things. I've, I have seen some of Santa Clarita Diet, even though mm-hmm. again, too scary for me. But yes, many I did. Thoughts. I did what I did the best I could. Closing eyes. Um, <laughs> and you're also very good in Let It Snow. Oh, thank you. That's a fucking cute movie. But um, what I'm hoping for me is that I can find a way to watch Yellow Jackets. It doesn't feel like... It seems like there's a lot of different... It seems like in every episode there's something. That's true, unfortunately. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I did the research. I wasn't, it wasn't that I like popped on and went like, no, I, I went that I quickly went, pulled out the phone. I said, wait a minute, but which, which episodes... No, it's all of them. It said no, it's all of them. <laughs> so shit. Um, well, all right, then we'll just keep in touch and you'll send me scripts, you know, like yeah, after <laughs> way far after, and I'll just read them. And that'll be fine. I'll make I'll make little recaps for you. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. I really would appreciate that because <laughs> anyway. It was great to meet you and thank you so much. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 